Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. This is your host, David Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. But today we are going to talk about I think one of the most modern technologies. Uh, it is a term, it is a, a technology landscape that is really evolving and we're hearing a lot about it on the news today. I have had the pleasure of having a lot of firsthand experience uh, and so has my guest. And we're talking about the metaverse and we're talking about virtual reality and a little bit about augmented reality. And the reason that we wanted to bring this topic to you guys is, do you remember back in the 90s for those of you that were working back then, uh, there was a thing called the Information Superhighway, which got rebranded to the internet as we know it today. Well, all of us in marketing and all of us in sales and pretty much every company on the planet, when the Information Superhighway, later called the internet in about the mid-90s, was a new channel for communication, for engagement, for commerce, for everything that it has become today. But it was new back then. And that is really where we are with the metaverse, a very, very new uh, technology set of innovations and experiences. And we thought, what a great topic to talk to you guys about and how we maybe in marketing and sales could be capitalizing on it today. So please welcome my guest, Jamie Geyer from Seros. Jamie, good to see you. Nice to see you, David. I, uh, you know, your team reached out and said, love to have Jamie on the podcast and suggested three different topics. And the first topic was the metaverse. So it's kind of like the Jerry Maguire, like you had me at hello, like a metaverse. <laughs> yes. Because as you and I have talked about ever since Christmas of 2021, when I got my quest to goggles, I became all in and really, really just dove in and how the metaverse and virtual reality enter the Geyer household. Okay. Well, uh, same experience, although a little bit earlier than that, but it was the quest headset. And I purchased that for my son, who's a teen. Um, he had already had experiences, you know, in other environments, big Fortnite player, Minecraft. And we were introduced to the Oculus, I guess is um, what they had called it. And I got hooked. I got hooked on Beat Saber. And so maybe, you know, I purchased it for him, but I slightly purchased it for myself as well. And it was just kind of interesting to me, these experiences that you could find in this virtual world. And my gosh, um, just beautiful experiences, actually. Yeah. And so that was my first introduction into it. And then, of course, as a marketer, you start thinking about how do you extend what you do into these other environments yeah. um, when we're already operating in a digital world. But that was a shared experience, David. Love it. And if you guys are not watching the YouTube channel where you can see who Jamie is, Jamie is the chief marketing officer at Seros. And I've known Seros for a very long time. They have a tremendous platform for making interactive applications uh, for online experiences. And we'll get back to that. But that's how I knew and have always gotten to know the team there. And as someone who's been in software development early in my career and in marketing my whole career, really, it's all about engagement. It's all about entertainment. The The most powerful forms of marketing are the ones that are the most engaging and the most entertaining. And so for Jamie, for me, yeah, the computer video gamer in me thinks that virtual reality was really enticing. And I you know, told the family, like, if you guys are looking for something for me, 
for Christmas, get me the Quest 2, because I wanted to start discovering what this metaverse and virtual reality was really like and um, and hooked. And, and for all of you, like, I'm going to talk about at the end of the video what I think you should do is some next steps if these terms... Uh, and these experiences are new to you, so we can we can get you guys to get caught up quick. But really, right, Jamie, the whole reason to be talking about this is, as I said earlier in the intro, this channel is here. It's not if, it's just when, and we in marketing are going to need to start thinking about product placement and content strategies and environments and engagement experiences uh, leveraging virtual reality, and it's, and it's so new for so many of us. What was your first... Was it Beat Saber? Like, what was the first application? Was Beat Saber. Was Beat Saber? How'd you do? <laughs> um, I cannot get past a B grade. I don't know what it is, yeah. but no, I did okay. I did okay with it. Love the music selection. Just downloaded Lady Gaga on oh, it nice. as well. But a uh, nice way to kind of break from the day and get a little exercise in. Yeah. But uh, like I said, the the graphics quality is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. In these experience in these environments. Let me share with you guys, um, just like the last four years. So about four years ago, it was super expensive to get virtual reality glasses. If you got them, they were maybe, maybe for your computer. And I say maybe because you really needed a high power computer to attach them. Uh, you had cables running to them. Uh, you had to put things in the room to be able to detect what space you're in. And it, just last year when the Quest 2 was introduced, the cables are gone. It's battery powered. You don't need a tether to anything. You just use Wi-Fi. You can do it anywhere. Uh, and you don't even have to be necessarily connected to the internet to enjoy it. Um, so it really, we've seen some major advances from an adoption perspective. And for a whopping price of what? $299. So clearly yeah. Meta Platforms, formerly Facebook, is taking the razor and blade strategy and saying, hey, we'll get these goggles out as a lost leader. And then we will make money maybe on software or other areas. And uh, yeah, I got I got my Quest 2 and I've downloaded probably about seven different applications and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you and the rest kind of where I've gravitated to. Because did you know that the, the Beat Saber person is like one of their personas? Like that there are people who will just get it for Beat Saber and use it for nothing else at, at this point. Maybe that sounds I like- believe, I, I, I can believe that, but I, but I want to just point out one other cost with it. Yes, there's the- the apps and stuff that you can purchase and download, but uh, true story. Yeah, my son was playing ultimate frisbee, and I was upstairs in my office, and I heard just this loud whack, and he had oh. gone and stepped out of the boundary, hit our flat screen TV. Oh boy, and broke it. Oh boy, <laughs> there's a lot of those videos on TikTok and YouTube. I don't know if yours was captured, yeah. but. So there's these other these other potential costs to plan for just in yes. case you get a little wild in the yeah. in the uh, virtual world. They have the little tethers for your arms so that you don't throw the controller across the room. Oh, he didn't. Yeah. He went out to just hit it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's let's give a definition. Uh, it's funny to give a definition to something that uh, we'll look back on this video years from now and go, remember when we did that that video on a virtual reality and we actually defined the metaverse, which to me feels like in the early days of the internet, where we used to say like, okay, so my website is at HTTP colon, and then the, the forward, you know, right? We spelled it all the way out because it was so new where people don't even, you know, they just assume that your company name is your dot, dot com. So the metaverse is, uh, I guess, I guess the best, probably the best way to explain it would be 
a virtual reality space. It's, it's not a real place. It's a place that you are transporting yourself into visually and with auditory functions. And so like Beat Saber, which is a game that Jamie's been playing, is this very kind of like hologram deck where there are objects flying at you to the beat of music and you have these virtual lightsabers in your hand like you know a, a jedi knight and you're swinging at the beats and it's the amount of dopamine that is released in your brain by doing that tremendous amount so it's very emotionally satisfying and rewarding to be playing the game uh and and that's jamie that's one environment of a limitless that's why they call it the metaverse right because there's no limit right. to the number of environments that you can uh, or will will be in which we'll talk a little bit more but that's virtual reality is you visually you being in a surreal environment where augmented reality is the the technologies that are placing imagery and visuals into the real environment and I mean, we're even seeing XR right now, right? As a blended term, because I think the goggles will yeah, eventually do both. Yeah, extended reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so how many hours would you say total have you spent yourself in, in virtual reality? Well, last night I actually downloaded a very cool app called Trip. And Ooh, it's kind of a meditation. Mindfulness app, yeah. Yes, mindfulness. So I was in there for a good hour. I would say for myself probably two and a half hours a week. Okay. And they're projecting with only in a couple of years that the average person will spend an hour a day in virtual yes. reality. Yeah, I saw that. So Gartner came out with research yeah. that uh, suggests, or they're predicting that 25% of people will spend at least an hour a day. Easily. And so mm -hmm. can I, can I disclose to you how I'm spending my, I would say it's more like 45 minutes a day. And now almost every day, you want to take a guess? What are you guess? doing in there besides Beat Saber? I'm, I'm actually not doing Beat Saber. I've done Beat Saber, I think, once. I am doing fitness programs. Okay. And that face that you just had, like, okay, not sure. Boxing? Uh, well, I would consider Beat Saber to be a little bit of that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So this is yeah. this is boxing. And then I, I downloaded Supernatural. And so, you know, talking, which we'll get to even more about marketing, in these environments, like in the boxing environment, there is advertising on the walls, just like there is at an arena. Now, right now, it looks like it's placeholder advertising where no one's really bought that space. But how long will it be until, and probably already happening, where, you know, advertising, display advertising, you can purchase within virtual reality? And look at the market for display ad technology today for Google, for Facebook. You know, companies like Sixth Sense and Demand Base and, and Terminus, right? There's all this display technology that's out there. It won't be long until they're starting to think about placing these ads in the virtual environments as well, right? I know, I know. And I think about that from the standpoint of, is that what consumers want? Because on one hand, while we're replicating real life in this digital world, we're also escaping real life. And I think we have to figure out what are we escaping from? And so I do think about, you know, paid media in the metaverse mm -hmm. and how much tolerance will there be for that? Um, you know, I think today consumers, they're, they're so bombarded by messages in every other channel of their lives, whether oh, it's yeah. physical 
world with billboards, magazines, or digital. And so I think it's be fascinating how they're going to monetize the metaverse from the standpoint of branded experiences and advertising. Um, I, I think the consumers, I mean, right, the, the metaverse is really, it's consumer-driven, consumer-owned, very open, decentralized. So they're going to have the voting power behind how we're going to extend our brands and, and what will be tolerated in that. 100%. And, and you know, I think, too, for people listening, like, there are those of us who are getting on board early. Uh, and that's really what I would say is the call to action today is, like, don't wait to be a laggard in capitalizing in this environment. And and by the way, it's entertaining as well, as we talked about. You know, this, this my use has gravitated to, to fitness. And so I do the boxing and my wife was a real skeptic. You know, it's like, oh, you're just gonna use it to play games. And then when I, you know, I found a couple games, but they weren't as entertaining for me as the games that I play on my PC. But the boxing, I got Creed, Apollo Creed, the game Creed, <laughs> where I could box you know, Rocky and uh, like every opponent that Rocky has ever boxed from Drago to, I mean, you name it. And it's so rewarding, but you sweat like crazy, like and no workout I've ever had. So I found from an enjoyment perspective, I'm repeatedly doing it every day. Um, but I also find that from a, a workout perspective, um, it's far surpassing the workout that I, let me tell you that I get on a Peloton or even on the treadmill. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the applications for this. First is is entertainment, which is really where Jamie and I have been talking about whether it's whether it's a mindfulness app, which I would put maybe in the health category, fitness, uh, and video games. No doubt, new technology like this is going to gravitate in that area, but we're going to see it uh, in others too. So, for example, um, Jamie and I technically are right now on a Zoom call where I'm using some extra software to record the conversation and do the visuals. But we all know what Zoom looks like. Well, one of the other applications that's available today is you can do virtual reality conferencing where your avatar and other avatars are all together in whether you want it to be a conference room on a planet or a conference room in a more traditional boardroom setting, you can have that. Have you tried that at all, Jamie? I have not, but I've watched the demos, but I haven't tried it yet. I, I haven't tried it. I did recently watch an interview done that way and I mean, it, it was it was very different to experience two avatars, no legs. They're sitting at the desk. And David, I think I would have preferred watching that interview with actual human beings. Yeah. Not avatars. Yeah. And it didn't it felt like it was a um, a use case that wasn't necessary because we have this. And I was really trying to wrap my head around it. And yeah. then I, I lost focus on the actual interview and what they were saying, because I kept critiquing going, yeah. do I really want to, do I like this format? Do so, yeah. yeah. And I heard that that Meta Platforms is, I don't know if they've given the units to their employees or they allow the employees to buy them very inexpensive, but they are encouraging their employees to start with more virtual conferencing to get familiar with it and whiteboarding in these virtual spaces. So it's it's pretty neat. I have seen, which I think is gonna be, let's talk about a business application that will be here very soon, and that is shopping, right? People like to buy stuff. Right. And we all have, here's my, here's my iPhone, I'll hold it up to the camera. This tiny little camera right here that looks like a black hole is a LiDAR camera. And it's one that you really don't typically use on your, on your camera, but it's there. 
And one of the things that you can do with LiDAR is, is be able to tell the dimensions of a room and how it picks it up. Well, imagine that we're standing at home, we've got our phone, uh, and we stand in front of this LiDAR camera and it scans our body and images. Instead of having a cartoon looking avatar, it's our actual bodies down to a very, very accurate um, perspective. Well, it's not gonna be very long and it may even exist already and I'm just not familiar with it, where you could go into a virtual department store, you could go and look at real branded clothes and some companies have already started creating their stores and you could put that on your now virtual avatar, which is your exact likeness, body height, shape and everything and look in a virtual mirror to see how you look and then if you like it, go ahead and purchase that product. And just that application right here, like I said, I haven't done it, but I know it's out there. I just haven't experienced oh, it's, yet. It's out there. You could do it with, with eyeglassware today. And, and try on and even fit your glasses. You don't even have to go in and see an optometrist to get fitted for those. Yeah. So it, it's it's here today. I think what's gonna be interesting is in the metaverse, you can actually acquire real estate and have a storefront that people can walk into and experience your merchandise that you have. Maybe not to the extent that you just you described or what I just described with eyewear um, and doing a full body scan. So it's more real, yeah. realistic to your body and your, your sizing. But certainly um, there's platforms where they're starting to do that. I mean, Louis Vuitton's doing it. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of fascinating to watch that. And I, I think those are gonna be the early adopters that we're gonna kind of watch for and see is this really real? Mm -hmm. And for marketers, I think the implication is, are you extending your own brand? Is there an opportunity to do that? Or are you going to be helping your clients do it? And so in what ways can you do that with different applications and such? We all, over the last two and a half years, experienced the, the lack of human interaction. Uh, in some ways, I'm very glad that virtual reality did not exist pre-COVID to the level that it has uh, today because I think it would have just driven more people into longer term isolation where I hope now people want to get back out in the unmasked wild and, and be with each other because we are herding animals, right? There, we are animals, we're very advanced animals, but we're, we're designed to herd together. We feel safer in, in numbers. And I just don't know what the social uh, implications of virtual reality are going to be. And I, I did make a video a little bit about my concern for a film project that I did because I, you know, I was uh, one of the pioneers creating voice for video gaming. That was back in 1999. So I got to experience Jamie firsthand, like your son who plays Fortnite. You know, he wouldn't be talking in Fortnite if we hadn't developed this technology. So I would get a lot of email from parents about how much time their kids were playing video games and their concern about that. And I had my own perspective about it, which I'm, I'm definitely not anti-video games because I do think they have a very positive when, when you know, used in a positive way. Uh, a lead to strong social interaction, release large amounts of dopamine, a, a natural and healthy drug. But anything in too much, not in moderation, can lead to problems. And if you're already spending a fair amount of time in virtual reality, the more applications that are out there that we're using, whether it's shopping or conferencing or gaming, all kinds of interaction, maybe we're gonna start spending two, three, four hours a day and that's just a weird error, you know, for us too. But maybe I'm, I sound like the guy where, oh, with telephones, people are going to talk to each other over the phone instead of going house to house, right? You know, so. I know, I know. It, 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 you know, it moves from generation to generation. And, and I feel like sometimes my own philosophy on this, I feel like my parents 20 years ago, when they were concerned about 
the Intellivision and the Atari and the, the things that we had access to. I spent a lot of time playing Miss Pac-Man um, in arcades. So I think it's it's just morphed over time. But I would be dishonest if I didn't say, David, that when I take my marketing hat off and my mom hat remains, there is a dilemma there for me as a as a parent in terms of do I really want my child spending more time in these worlds that look real, but simply are not. And you can basically be whatever you want to be. And that's not real. Mm -hmm. So I do get concerned about that. And I, you know, on one hand, these environments um, can be used for very good purposes for a good force in the world. I mean, you look at what Mayo Clinic is doing, for example, with brain surgery or dealing with PTSD patients. On the flip side, we're also dealing with young adults who have been isolated and living in these worlds and it's taken a toll on them mentally. Yeah. So it's like this dual world that we're living in with, with these environments and it is a dilemma. So on one hand, as a marketer, I'm looking for ways and exploring ways of how do I extend my own company's brand into these environments or help my customers do the same versus do I really want to do that? Is this a force for good? Um, but as you and I have talked about, it's here. It's not going to go yeah. anywhere, even if it's in its earliest stages, particularly the metaverse. It's not going to go anywhere because these these kids, especially Gen Z and millennials, this is what they're growing up on. So it's going to continue to evolve. Totally. So I don't know what the guardrails and boundaries will be, but I think as a mom and marketer, it's one of my biggest dilemmas right now. And as I've explored and and tried to get really um, educated on what this thing is, going back to our definition and uh, the various use cases. On one hand, it could be a very positive thing in in helping people. On the other hand, are they getting so immersed in a fake world that they're not going to be able to, to cope in the actual physical world? And are we not allowing them to see the beauty yeah. of the physical world? I, I don't look forward to that night when I go to dinner and instead of seeing a family with their kids on their iPads, one of them has virtual reality goggles on. And that I don't I don't think that's it's more coming. than 12 months away. Right. Yes. I don't yeah. think I'm. I'm oh, my no, God. I sound like my, you know, my parents right. years ago. And it's that's also kind of a weird thing of of coming to grips with. Yes, for for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, medicine, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up as we talk about applications. It's certainly one of the most positive, groundbreaking uh, uses of this technology for a doctor in one place to be able to perform surgery on someone in another or training. Uh, training and education is another great application. And yes, there's some military training happening, but there's also lots of other training uh, that has happened. And in a company like yours that's you know created a platform for creating interactive applications, it is no surprise that you as the head of marketing is thinking like, when will this channel be a place potentially for our products or for uh, us running our applications in these environments? We, you know, if, if people, anyone of you listening right now think like, we're on this uh, different planet, I will tell you a factoid that there were more Quest 2 goggles sold last year then there were iPhones sold in 2008, which was the first full year of production for Apple. So there were a lot of iPhones out there in 2008. We all saw them, and then it just grew and grew and grew from there. And the projections that Gartner, Gartner has and others you know, on VR adoption growth is, is significant. Um, 
couple big players in the space, right? There's there's Vive, um, HP. There is certainly Oculus from Facebook slash Meta platforms. Uh, and I think we're going to see, uh, well, there's the Sony PlayStation um, that's out and a product called Valve, uh, the Valve Index from a, they were the makers of Half-Life, a game, video game out in, in Washington. And they've come out with some really high-end ones mm -hmm. around 1100. But you, you know who, who's, who's going to be making one, releasing one this year, if the rumors come true. Apple. I know. I hear Apple. Yeah. That the, yeah, the rumors I, I, are that by the end of this year, maybe the holiday season, the item will be Apple's XR VR goggles. We shall see, but the rumors are strong there. Yeah, you can look that up if you guys want to do a little searching, see some <laughs> concepts and prototypes. Here's, I'm, I'm curious your feeling about this. When, when Tiffany, my wife, looked at the goggles and I put them on and was like, hey, you want to check it out? She's like, it looks a little too big and bulky. I don't think I could put that on my head regularly. Um, so that I think is a big inhibitor right now. They don't necessarily look cool unless maybe you're a teenage boy. I don't know. Like, you know, like it, it, that, that technology didn't bother me. I thought it was actually cool to, to put them on. I, I felt, you know, like a little, you know, sci-fi badass. But uh, did, do you think the form factor is a big gating item? It wasn't for me and it isn't for cool. me. Um, and so I think once you put them on, you're so immersed in the experience and the environment that you tend to forget exactly the hardware that's on your head. Um, yeah, they're look, they're they're a bit clunky. I will admit that. And I think over time they're going to perfect it again. We're in our earliest stages for sure. But once you get so immersed in what you're doing, I think you tend to forget the actual device yeah. that it's that you're using to experience that. But it's it's not perfect. But what it is doing is showing the possibilities. So at least we can start planning and preparing for right. the possibilities with this kind of technology. Sure. And that's going to be marketers creating environments with customers. It's going to be marketers participating in virtual conferences. Ariana Grande did a huge concert last year in VR. It was widely attended, like really, really huge numbers, which is impressive. Uh, yep. We're going to do product placement. We're going to create 3D models and put our own merch and, and things in these environments. We're already seeing, of course, NFTs where people are selling virtual assets, which to me feels a little early, scammy, ridiculous, because why is there a value on a, a, a I don't know, we could digress. But the, the whole NFT thing I am not a fan of. Uh, I think it's it's uber, uber wealthy people buying uh vanity digital items as yeah. well as youth uh on some get rich uh quick scams that are not going to probably pay off for them very or for very many people no and i actually went out and i wanted to um i wanted to see kind of the the going rate i guess for art and mm. who are out there i mean i was finding digital assets that were minimum six thousand dollars i'm like who can afford this now, I know that that might be kind of the extreme, although you you hear stories where it's like double digit millions of dollars that people are oh, spending yeah. on yeah. some for of the this. Board, yeah. For the board ape NFTs are multi-million yeah. dollar graphics. Right, right. That anybody can have a copy of, but they don't have the original. They don't, they don't have, have the, the, the blockchain encrypted uh, actual ownership of that NFT, but it looks exactly the same. So it's it's just a weird time. It is. And it's a bit mind boggling. Yes. On that. And yeah. so, again, I think it's coming back to those that just have the, they're really the the early adopters who are trying to maybe have a 
well, let me let me step back and say this. For those that are out there purchasing and they're in that environment, they're also making a brand for themselves at the same time. Totally. And I think when you when you look at who's kind of involved in this right now, there's a big lift to doing that. And um, so it's kind of fascinating to find and to see that happening right now, too. Yeah. Kevin Hart, Snoop Dogg, Gwyneth Paltrow, all buying up assets in, in oh, the metaverse. Snoop Dogg has <laughs> <laughs> and someone I bought the I place next really to Snoop Dogg in, in Sandbox. Yeah. Um, but here's, here's something. So you brought up concerts in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. And I was aware that Travis Scott did one, right? Yeah. In, with, um, with Fortnite. And I think that he had about 12 million, um, 12 million viewers live. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Okay. But following that immediately post live event, he had about 170 million people go out to his YouTube channel and watch it. So it's not just, I think this also gets to a different value point that we think about as marketers is one channel can lead to another channel so that it's like your brand just continues to build. You are where your, your customers are. In this case, you are where your fans are. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that there's something to be said for that. Now, you know, for me, not that it's about me and, and I'm not sure the metaverse is for my demographic necessarily, not at this stage anyways, but I still would prefer going out to a live show and listening to music. Now yeah. in the pandemic, I think this is going to be another fascinating thing, David, to watch for too, is a lot of this accelerated during the pandemic when we're stuck at home and we simply wanted to experience real life again. And we did it in these other environments. It's going to be interesting to see now that things are starting, starting to loosen up a bit, mandates are going away, how is that going to change the acceleration path of some of these environments? I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. Like you and I have agreed, yeah. it's here to stay. But I think it's certainly accelerated during a time where we are stuck at home and not able to go out and do things, eat at a restaurant, go to a live show, go into retail and, and buy clothes. Um, now that we've got a taste for at least a certain demographic, now I think you can start seeing it might slow down a little bit, but the building blocks are there and, and we can see how it evolves. Yeah. I was at uh, the Warrior game um, last week with a friend of mine and the tickets, combined ticket costs about $700, not cheap to go to a Warriors game at the Chase Arena. So that's not available, you mm. know, to everybody, right? You either have to be a big Warriors fan or, you know, do it every now and then or have a lot of disposable income. But we talked about right there, center court, off the floor, how long will it be until there is a at least 180, if not 360 degree camera, and you can buy a virtual seat to any game that you want and subscribe to it. If that's not happening already, I know we're no more than 12 months away uh, from that. And that opens it up to anybody around the world to participate in a sporting event and have courtside seats. Probably talk about those, the, you know, the, the law of uh, scale, Right, they could sell those seats for twenty bucks, or maybe thirty bucks, or fifty bucks, uh, and have a hundred million people, or whatever the numbers are, a lot, uh, attend a game that they really can't get to because they're not going to come to San Francisco and do that. And I don't think it's going to clear out the arena because, like you said, there are people who want to experience things in real life, but there's also a whole audience that would love to participate. Some of the boxing matches I've done have been at the uh, in the pyramids of Egypt. I mean, to be out on the sand, virtual boxing 
in the cameras that were there. It's a really cool experience, Jamie. And I would never be able to uh, to do that. And your mindfulness app, I'm sure, took you yeah. to surreal environments to relax you. It's it's a very interesting uh, time in our lives where we're going to have really limitless real estate and limitless entertainment experiences and not have to leave our homes. And how will that change humanity? Big question. I, I do hope, though, David, so you brought up the pyramids. I've actually been there. And it is surreal to see the pyramids and to touch and to walk around and explore, ride a camel if you want. I hope, you know, in, in bringing this full circle is if people get the chance to experience it in the metaverse, that it prompts them to actually want to buy a airline ticket and go see it in person. Mm -hmm. And I think there's another commercialization opportunity, right? For travel companies, for example, where you can go in and you can see, do I really want to go to uh, Kenya on a safari or to Egypt and see the Sphinx or the pyramids? Um, I, you know, beyond what you can do on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to see that, but to actually go in and with your body and go explore and go on an adventure. Let me uh, touch on a delicate topic. I'm a father of two daughters, and you have you have a son and a daughter? I just have or, a son. Son, all right. So you have a son, and I have two daughters, and we're talking about virtual environments, and we, we're going through a period right now where we're talking about equality, where um, sexual harassment has zero tolerance in corporate America. Uh, should we be concerned about virtual reality and what might take place from either harassment or inappropriate conduct in there. I think about it because yeah, I've experienced I it watching you know my what? daughter play video games. Yeah, interestingly enough, Meta rolled out a new feature called personal boundaries. Really? Yes. Very clever. I did yes. not know that. So yes, it's a new feature. So I think that these platform companies are learning from you know the physical world, but also in the digital world where this stuff does exist mm -hmm. and they're they're putting in place some of the, the security measures to make sure that it's not replicated in the metaverse, which is a good thing. Now, I'm also very skeptical about mm -hmm. that. And it seems weird that you could actually set up a personal boundary of four feet or six feet. Well, we all know what six feet is these days. Everybody knows how far <laughs> six feet is now. <laughs> they do, for sure. Um, yeah, you got to check out this feature. It's it's kind of interesting. I, I will take I, a look. Yeah. I mean, I, I worry about that. I worry about um, when you can create whatever you want to look like in an environment and it's not yourself. I worry about what that does from a confidence level, especially for young females who already deal with that every day on social media. I mean, growing up, I was flipping through Glamour magazine and Cosmopolitan and you look at that and you're like, oh, I'm nothing close to that. In social media, you have that, but you also have people who are commenting and they're really cruel and mm -hmm. mean. Mm -hmm. And so it is, um, I think it's a, it's a thing that we really have to look closely at, but as parents, we need to monitor yeah. and make sure that um, we're there to support them or removing them from environments. And then also holding some of these platforms accountable for what goes on. Kind of like what Meta did in, in rolling out the personal boundaries. It sounds a little silly, but when you when you have kids and you see that in these yeah. worlds, it's very very real. For sure, it needs to be. Not there. There's some there's some strange people in the world. Like we need we need 
protection, unfortunately, but we do, and it's great that they're that they're looking at that. It will be interesting to to follow that. Um, I want to ask you: Did you read the book or watch the movie Ready Player One? Few times. Few mm-hmm. times. Few times. Yes. I love the movie. I read the book actually after the movie, which then I wish I had read the book before. But you know, in the book, uh, War Games, the movie War Games, plays a, a really big role in the in the book. It's one of the Easter eggs. And I was a War Games fan. That movie with Matthew Broderick, I just loved it. It was like the first, one of the first technology movies of its time. Yeah. And you, you've now, it sounds like, watched it a few times. What, what, what do you think brings you to that content and has you enjoying? I mean, Spielberg, no doubt. But right. you know, it, it, it profile for those of you who haven't dived into the metaverse, go watch Ready Player One. I mean, it's a great first uh, perspective of what I was going to say what's possible, but it's it's happening. Well, and even for marketers, you start picking up on product placement. Tons I mean, you've got there. Bridgestone in there, Goodyear. Um, gosh, even Billy Idol has his CD. <laughs> I yeah. It's kind of fascinating. But you know what really struck me with that movie? And again, I've watched it a couple of times. It happens to be one of the top five for my son. Is um, James Halliday, who is the person that created the Oasis, you can see that he was also conflicted with um, where it could potentially go. That could be a downside. Uh, you know, he he developed the Oasis because um, he didn't feel at home, as in his own words, uh, in the real world. And so he created an environment where he could connect with people. But he also admits that it's only in the real world you can have a decent meal. And that one statement really struck me. Because I believe that James Halliday was trying to say it's not real mm-hmm. and it doesn't replace the physical world and all of its beauty and the things that you can do and still being connected to people or have a decent meal. Right. So I think he was also trying to communicate the limitations of it. Yeah. And I loved that. I thought that was one of the more one of the more beautiful parts of the of the movie was was not just what you can do in the metaverse and with all of its sophistication and being whatever and whoever you want to be and experience whatever you want to be. But the reality that a lot of it's not real. Yeah. I mean, it's just not real. Right. So I loved it. I loved it. The conversation that I had with my buddy on the way to the game uh, and back, you know, wouldn't have happened in virtual reality sitting there together and just, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same. What is very special about virtual reality, I believe, is how the brain is recording the experience. Right now, I see you, and you're on my display, which is a 2D environment. And I can look at this, but my short-term and long-term memory won't store it the same way as if you and I were in a virtual environment with a three-dimensional X, Y, and Z. Whatever, I'm, I'm not smart enough to know from a medicine perspective what's happening to the brain, but you can relate, right? If you think about where you selected Lady Gaga, the song, and played it, you can take yourself back there. And that's mm-hmm. what's fascinating about the mm-hmm. entertainment value and engagement value of this content. And I think when used for good, uh, we're going to create engaging experiences like like we never thought possible as developers, as marketers, as salespeople. It's going to be interesting. It is. And along those lines, so you brought up kind of the the auditory and the connection between what we hear 
and experiences that we have or the emotions that it can invoke. Yeah. I think one of the coolest companies um, right now in this space is OVR. And what they're doing is they're bringing in sensory technology. So in the metaverse, not only are you seeing the roses, you can actually smell the roses wow. because that's been one of my things is, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to poke holes at everything about it. That's okay. just that's who I am. Right? All right. And I'm like, well, no, you can't replicate real life. And then all of a sudden I find a new company that's actually doing that. And it's fascinating um, what they're doing with that technology to now bring the sensory aspect of the physical world into the digital world. And going back to your point on, I listen to a song and it reminds me of, of an experience I might've had. You could do the same with scent, whether it's food or flowers, wine. I don't know. I don't know if you can smell wine in there, but uh, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but it is fascinating to see the companies sure. and what they're trying to do to make yeah. it as real as possible. Yeah, the gloves and the haptic suits, all the but, things yep. that are coming out. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, before I let you go, catch me up on Saros. Do you know the last time I saw the platform, I was at Unbound, the HubSpot conference, and you guys oh, had yes. just put out a new release, and I was looking at some of the applications that were being created by the team that was demoing there, and just always blown away with just how powerful the platform is. Can you give give me a minute or two on on what's what's happening there? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so Saros is a content creation platform for creating very immersive experiences. So related to what we've been talking about today, um, we're not in a static world anymore. PDFs are like old faxes. Uh, mm -hmm. They have their place, but let's now find ways to really engage our customers and the different channels. And a lot of that is immersive content. Uh, it could be anything from an interactive quiz or infographic, but you can go in and you can create that in our platform, no code required. So you don't need a front end web developer to create it for you. So a designer can be in there, a design savvy mar marketer, content marketer can go in and create. And then we have a way to share, uh, share that content across different systems. So for marketers, that's really important, not just creating the content, but being able to distribute it in the tools that you use yeah. uh, to reach your buyers wherever they might be. Uh, the other piece to it too, David, is we have this really cool product called Markup and it's it's free, but it's a place where you can go and have people collaborate and comment on real live production sites. Could be a PDF if you want, uh, any type of image, but they can go in and comment on that. And then you can resolve those comments within that platform. So part of it's the actual creation. And then there's the collaboration and commenting aspect of it as well. Nice. We have about 900 brands across the globe that are leveraging Saros to create their immersive content. I would like to set an invitation because I've enjoyed our conversation, of course, about the metaverse and what could be the future of sales and marketing more than we know it. But would you get the team to come on Demand Gen TV and give us a demo? I'm sure everybody would love to see. We're, we're not going to too many events these days, but and I know you can see stuff online, but I would love to get a, an updated demo. We'll record it and we'll put it out on Demand Gen TV so people can check it out. Excellent. We would love to show you. We'll do that. Well, Jamie, thank you for geeking out with me today and everyone else around the metaverse. I would encourage everyone, whether it's Beat Saber or fitness or mindfulness, <laughs> um, go out, invest $300 in some headsets and discover this new environment. 
um, because it's not if, it's just when that we as marketers and salespeople are going to need to learn how to leverage it. And I feel again, exactly. like it's 1992 and I'm saying the internet's here, check it out because you're going to have to pay attention to it. And it's, we are in the test and learn phase. Yeah. We're in the test and learn. And I think advice to marketers is because it's still early stage. Now you got the big companies who are setting the, you know, paving the way for some of the possibilities. The reality is, is you got to test and learn right now, and then you can see them for yourself. Love it. Does your son play Call of Duty or just Fortnite? Fortnite. Fortnite. All right. When he gets to no Call, Call of Duty, Duty if he yet. ever does, tell him to hit me up. We'll get a game right. going. I certainly will. All right. Thanks, stick David. around. I've enjoyed this. What a fun conversation. Yeah, I love it. All right, you guys, um, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Really encourage you guys watch Ready Player One if you just want to dip your toe into the, the metaverse and really understand what the power of uh, the, the platform is. It's a very entertaining Steven Spielberg uh, movie, phenomenal. Uh, but like I said, maybe consider getting some, some goggles. Uh, I mentioned Demand Gen TV, a couple things before I let you guys go. Um, demandgen.tv is the fastest way to our YouTube channel. And besides these podcasts, these sessions that I'm having with various marketing practitioners, uh, we've got a lot of demos of some of the top marketing technology that is out there. So be sure to check those out. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. And hey, I love it when you guys drop me notes on LinkedIn or comments on the YouTube channel. Love every time you guys engage. So please, please let me know what you're thinking about. Uh, we are standing up an entire marketing team, an entire marketing stack here at BDO Digital. And it's fun because I get to take you know decades of marketing experience and now bring it to this company. And I look forward to sharing with you guys the content that we are capturing to talk to you about our journey. All right, well, that is gonna do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. <laughs>